Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak small, to speak with small cap executives right after they put out important news. And today's news is a big one. It's out of Poet Technologies, trades on the TSX Venture Exchange on the stock symbol PTK, and in the US OTCQX under Poet F. With us are Vivek Rajgaria, he's President General Manager, as well as Thomas Mika, Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer. For those of you new to the story, I usually give a pretty long intro that's been very helpful, mind you, for people to really understand Poet. Uh, so I'm going to give a much uh, um, a condensed one and how that ties in today's press release. Uh, in essence, all of us uh, need massive data, data centers, server farms in order to take care of our, our internet needs, our streaming, our shopping, all that. That requires these big data centers. With, with servers that need to be talking to each other at light speeds, literally. The faster that happens, the faster we get our information. Uh, photonic devices are what create the tech and manipulate the light. Uh, Laser-generated light is fundamental to all of this, the fast transfer of data, the fastest transfer of data possible. Uh, Poet has developed a unique, disruptive, and differentiating new entry into the photonics market. That's called their Poet optical interposer platform. It's patented and enables lower cost and higher performance across a wide range of applications. Data centers, 5G, uh, artificial intelligence, edge computing. They've got great technology and today they announced Poet Technologies enters into telecom market with 100G LR4 long reach optical engines. This is the great thing about Beyond the Press Release. Not very many people will understand what that headline means. This is where we explain it to you in layman's terms. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Vivek, um, I want, you know, there's a lot of tech in this press release. So we're going we're gonna to focus more on what that actually means from a, from a tech point of view to the layman and what it means to the business. So sure. first of all, the, the quote here is you've completed the design of a 100G LR4 optical engine with a reach of 10 kilometers. What does that mean? Why is that important to any of us? So, um, so George, let me um, step back a, a bit here to describe where 100G LR4 modules are used, okay? Right. So it's actually one of the first standards uh, for 100G transceivers uh, for connecting what we call the client side. So as the fiber optics uh, demand and requirements are increasing with the in increase of data. They need to be connected within the cities, from city to city, from country to country. And then all that needs to come closer to us, the consumer. So these equipment which are connecting, you know, the cities, the countries, which we call the long haul transmission equipment, uh, there is a side to it, which we call client side, where those connections need to go into data centers, into enterprises, into close to our homes and so on. Those connections are used uh, using 100G LR4, okay? So as the, as the line side, the transmission equipment demand is increasing with coherent and so on with DWDM, you need more and more of these 100G LR4 coming closer to the client. To naturally, us, naturally. Okay? That is where it's used. The main difference, you know, in the past, we've talked more about uh, the inside the data center, CWDM4. Right. 
So C is coarse, okay, which is uncooled. The total four channels that is covered within a CWDM is about uh, 60 nanometers. That's the different colors of light that go in that band. In the LR4, all those four channels are covered within 15 nanometers, okay? So much shorter band, more precise, more cool with higher performance. So you can even go 10 kilometers or longer distance. And this is a de facto standard, which, which was, as I mentioned, the early on for 100G and which will remain for a long time because of inter interoperability, because of the performance levels that are required to connect the transmission equipment to the data center. You need good, good performance and precision at that side. Yeah, and that makes sense because there's just more demand, right? At the end of the yes. day, there's more streaming, more surfing, more everything at the end of the day. Exactly, yeah. So let's, you, you've laid out, guys, uh, three advantages. Uh, one being that these the 100, 100G LR4 trans, transceiver sells for two to three times the price yes. of the C, CWDM4. So yes. that's one advantage. Does this represent an opportunity for Poet or is that just your, the cost is two to three times higher, so you're selling two, three times higher and there's not much of an advantage? No, actually, it, it's a very uh, good sweet spot, I would say, for Poet. You know, CWDM4, as I mentioned, it is very high volume. It's used inside the data center of the hyperscale, you know, service providers. The LR4 connect those to the transmission equipment, okay? The, the prices are higher. The volumes are slightly lower than the CWDM4. But because the performance levels and the power consumption levels are much more stringent, uh, we, we, we provide a good, uh, good um, you know, it's a sweet spot for us. And also the costs have kind of um, hit the bottom where cost of these modules by, these, uh, by the providers cannot go down further. It's reached a certain level, but the prices need to continue coming down and the margins are being cut into the module, our customers. So we can provide them a solution where they can continue a viable business, keep make, making money in the stable and growth area, okay? right. and provide the functionality and the performance levels uh, that are needed. So one of the things uh, I've been a part of making these uh, LR4 engines in the more traditional manner they are very complicated and they are very complicated because there are certain requirements needed. It's, it's a complex module. The alignment needed, the lens, you know, the precision of alignment, how much power you can get, how, how you manage the power consumption. It is very complicated. So there are a few number of providers for these engines today and even in the traditional method. What we are doing, what Poet is doing, again, coming to our optical interposer where monolithically the waveguides, the marks and demarks are all on the interposer. They're monolithically in the CMOS fab uh, provided. And then we uh, flip chip, passively align the lasers to this. It removes all the complications of uh, doing the alignment using lens and epoxy and such. All those mechanical alignment features are already on our interposer. So you flip chip attach, passively align these DML lasers to the, uh, to the muxes and get the light out. So this, this really 
provides a way to reduce the cost and pass part of that cost savings to our customers so they can make money you know, in this mature market. And you state savings to customers in the range of 25%. Yes. Uh, look, for most for most products, if you if save 25%, that's significant. So it I'm is. assuming that's the same for your for your customers. Is that a massive competitive advantage? Because it sounds like there's also a lot of competition uh, in the space, or there's, if not a lot, very intense competition. So how big is that savings to customers when you're talking to them? So the way I would describe the competition, it's not like CWDM4 where there are many more suppliers. There are limited suppliers in the LR4 because of the complexity, uh, as, as I mentioned. But uh, they, I, would, uh, I would refer to them as the incumbent suppliers. But those incumbent suppliers are hitting a bottom or have hit a bottom where they can't reduce their cost, okay? And they, they, their, their margins are diminishing, okay? This is where we step in and provide them a solution where they can continue to make margin. So making 25% more margin versus not making margin uh, and trying to stay in the business, yep. you, you can imagine. So that's guys, this is a up. massive, that, that's a, this is a massive, because look, all of us at home as investors, there's no way 99.9% of us understand what the competitive landscape and the factors are. So, yeah. but, but Vivek, it sounds like what you're telling us is, that's a massive competitive advantage when you're walking into George Common saying you should be using Poet versus ABC Technologies. Yes, exactly. And, you know, even um, uh, it's not a cluttered market. So we have very targeted customers. Some of those customers. So let me come back to the opportunity. And, you know, even though uh, the number of suppliers is limited, it's still a billion dollar market. Okay. It's not a small market. And, and, and growing and growing effect, I'm assuming it's going to be and, and growing. It's, it's not growing like a hockey stick. Okay. okay. It's a stable, it's growth. It's a strong, that's why I call it a sweet spot for us because it's, it's, um, it's a stable market, which will continue for several years to come. Okay. Uh, as the growth of data continues, this will be needed more and more. And it provides a very good opportunity for poet. What's that? Yeah. What's an example of a kind of customer uh, that would be buying this? And I know you're not going to name a customer, but just give a name that people would understand. Like this could potentially be somebody who would need these products. Yeah. So the I'll, I'll describe the value chain, you know, a little bit. So we are providing optical engines, you know, which will be manufactured. These will be manufactured at our joint venture, Super Photonics. Okay. Yeah. And then our customers are the module providers companies that are making integrating modules, QSFP 2800G modules. And then they are supplying to uh, telecom equipment providers, okay? So these are uh, companies, again, uh, without just as generally naming customers, right, right. companies like Nokia and Ericsson and, you know, Adwa and those type of uh, telecom equipment providers would buy those modules and then supply it more in the telecom networks, uh, which are connecting to the data centers, rather than directly. Uh, also, also data center companies uh, providers would buy to connect to the telecom equipment, but a lot of the uh, lot of the demand goes to what we call the telecom equipment and network providers versus the hyperscale data centers. Uh, to use it into, inside the data centers, okay? So that's a slight differentiation here. George? Yeah, go ahead, Thomas. Let me just uh, add to what Vivek has said. Um, 
Remember, a, a key to our strategy is that we're not trying to replace um, or compete directly with a module manufacturer. What we're doing is we're providing components within the module. And the components that are being sourced currently are being sourced from hundreds of suppliers. Um, and, and so we're not competing with, uh, with a monolith company that's, that is uh, you know, right. gonna be more powerful than we are. We're, we're merely going to the module makers saying, take those hundreds of sub-assemblies or tens of sub-assemblies that you have in this module out and substitute for it our optical engine at a much lower cost and likely a much lower assembly cost for them. And, and in doing so, we can reduce your bomb cost and your assembly cost and provide you with, you know, reestablish the gross margin that you've given up to the telecom equipment suppliers over the past few years. So yeah. guys, what I would assume, uh, and I'm gonna go into some more specific, but this is, given what you just said, Tom, which was great, I would assume that you guys already have had some, you know, back the napkin conversations, you know, general, with potential customers, with the module makers, and what kind of feedback have you gotten uh, from, from your target market? So uh, actually, uh, you know, in this case, we didn't even have to uh, proactively go after customers. The customer also came to us, you know. Uh, there's um, there are customers we mentioned in our press release. Also, we've engaged with um, with a few customers, so we are working very closely with the customers to define, uh, you know, if there's certain level of customization needed, which we can do with our interposer. We are doing that, and we are in active discussions with customers. So, it will be. Um, you know, uh, uh, working very closely with the customers as we bring out our samples. There are customers who are already lined up, uh, you know, and, and waiting for our samples to uh, to evaluate. So I, I think it's a very good position for us. Well, that hey, even to the layman, we understand that that if you've got the customers already lined up and interested, you're way ahead, you're way further ahead than. Uh, George Calm, who develops a product, and now I've got to go, you know, give out samples and hope somebody likes it. That that's fantastic. So let's talk about uh, timing, ballpark timing, gentlemen. Obviously, the first step is you you you've probably it sounds like you've already gotten samples in the hands of customers, and you're going to be continuing to put samples in the hands of customers. How long does your tip does does your profile customer take to evaluate uh, your LR4? You know, is it, is it six months of testing? Because we at home, none of us know that. So what does that yeah, so, next stage look like? So yeah, again, a good good question here, Josh. Uh, the sales cycle from sample to revenue, right? Exactly. That's really what you're asking. So there is a process. This is an established market. And as Tom mentioned earlier, we are not changing. We are not saying instead of walking, you have to fly here, okay? <laughs> you, you still... Uh, we are not changing the approach to how it's being used. We are just changing how, how it will be uh, integrated into our customers to save, um, you know, cost for them, increase value to them, right? So this, um, this standard product, uh, again, the overall cycle time, our customers also have customers already that they've been supplying to, you know, okay. with different 
configuration. So generally six to nine months is a, is a from sample to revenue is a, is a rule of thumb that we've used in the industry. And I think it's going to be the, the specs and all are well-defined. So it's not like we are going to be trying out the customer saying, no, you know, the, the power needs to be different or something. So those unknowns are not there. Okay. Of yeah, course, you're not the, the trial and error stage anymore. Yeah. Customers will need to validate, okay, in their modules, but that's the level of, um, and we we have a good team to work closely with customers. We have demonstrated this uh, in previous engagements that, you know, large European uh, telecom equipment pro provider that we had announced some time back that we are getting out and getting into their uh, into their modules. So we have a good. Uh, good, um, you know, setup and experience of working closely with our customers. Thomas, you want to chime in there with something? Yeah, I just needed to correct something that you said earlier that that customers have samples of these devices. They actually don't. Yep. What they have are our designs and, right. uh, and our to them. We don't expect to have samples until Q3. Um, one of the things that we pointed out in the press release, there, there are actually two things. One is that you know, we've had the wafers that um, that this device is being produced uh, from in fabrication since December. And this shows you how, how stretched out the supply chain has become, where we don't actually have those wafers yet. Um, we expect to have them soon, but we don't have them yet. Is but that a potential weakness, weak point in the, in the, for, for this operation, Tom? Well, it's something that is the entire industry is experiencing, right? Um, with the semiconductor industry is experiencing. So all of these foundries are, are delayed, including ours. But uh, the countervailing uh, thing is that the lasers that we're expecting to use uh, in these are being provided by SAIC, our joint venture partner. And those lasers have already been qualified and our design is in qualification. So on the one hand, the interposer wafers are, are somewhat delayed, but the lasers, which um, frankly we've been you know, delayed on uh, longer than we've expected um, for several months uh, for other applications are going to be available sooner to us. Uh, so um, that will help shorten the qualification time. But nevertheless, we look at the plan and see that we won't really have samples that we can turn over to customers until about Q3. All right. So going by what Vivek said earlier, Q3, you start getting samples into the hands of customers. If it takes six to nine months, it's two to three quarters. So yeah. you talk about Q1, Q2 of 2022, you should expect to start seeing. And this isn't binary, right, Vivek? It's not as if either they like it or they don't. No, you definitely expect to be gaining some market share here, correct? From yes, the yes. Uh, so it's it's uh, yeah, there is some feedback from customers after we sample. Uh, I expect them to be tweaks when we go from alpha to beta. Sure. Uh, again, these uh, these are very well established standards for these products. Um, so the unknowns are are not there. Okay. Um, you know, so middle of next year uh, to get revenue production revenue is very realistic for us for this what do you guys think is uh it's a if it's a billion dollar market what's a realistic percentage of that that you guys would be happy to obviously you'd be happy to get 100 
but what's a realistic number where you'd say, and, and by the way, to be clear for everyone at home, you're not providing kind of projection, yeah. but you know, what's a realistic expectation of market, uh, of market penetration? So let me clarify, yeah, let me clarify the billion dollar is for the transceiver, our customers, you know, uh, serviceable okay. market. We have a portion of that content that we provide. In the past, we've, we've said anywhere between 30 to 50%. In this case, let's call it 40%. So $400 million uh, market, addressable market for us. Okay. okay. Uh, there are certain customers who are vertically integrated, who do everything themselves. So those are not going to be uh, necessarily our customers we are going to enter with. However, I do have the, have the uh, I would say, uh, expectation over time as their, their uh, margins diminish, maybe they come to us or they exit the market. So portion of that customer base that we, that is wanting to uh, source from us that we target, let's call it 50% of that, okay? That's a 200 million. So 200 million. So that's really the size of the opportunity that uh, we believe realistically in a few years we can, we can get to. Okay. Do, you think so, it's all, you, do you think you can capture all that 200 million in a few years? Or you know, would you be happy if you captured 30, 40, 50%? So, um, you know, of course, our, uh, we would want to capture all, but realistically, um, you know, they're not, too many customers, as I mentioned, it's not a cluttered business that we have to service 20 customers. There's a handful of customers that are meaningful. So for that, about 50% or so is a realistic goal in my, in my mind. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great goal. On, on that note, gents, you have an important industry conference coming up, uh, which I'm assuming you're going to be utilizing to showcase this amongst other things. Uh, what do you guys plan to, what do you guys plan to exhibit at that event? So we are working, uh, actually, um, really positioning, uh, Tom and I have been talking almost daily on, you know, how to, how to do it. It will be virtual, which is north. And we are setting up our, our, uh, our display almost as if we would be in an exhibition, uh, you know, uh, room or in a, in an exhibit, in a conference. We are setting up uh, live demos to show customers. Uh, so we will be able to uh, stream for customer meetings. Uh, we will have a, a page on the OFC um, website for customers to access, for people who are walking in as if they are walking into an exhibit. Uh, they, can, they can approach us if they want to schedule meetings. Uh, so I, I'm actually quite excited about <laughs> this. Is the first I've been attending OFC for gosh decades, and uh, I'm actually quite excited. This will be my first virtual uh, exhibition, but there's a lot we can do, and we can have the team in one place. We can have people in multiple locations stream at the same time and join meetings as well. So through Zoom and through others, yeah. So Tom, you want to you want to say you're leading this OFC effort? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it feels like I'm really behind in it because we've got a lot to do in a short period of time. Uh, but we're intending to not only have the live demos, but also to have some videos available for people who visit the website if if they can't arrange a a, a live demo via the streaming over that week we'll have a video of a live de demo to show with some, some animations and a professionally done, done video that will 
you know, feature the interposer, feature the optical engines that, and the products that we intend to announce either before or during, um, during the convention. That'll be on the Poet site. Thomas, will that also be available for shareholders to watch after, after the conference? Does, uh... Yeah, it, it will be. Um, we will first have it at the OFC on their page and then we'll port that over to, to the Poet website. You know, um, I just did want to add one thing. Um, in our last conversation, Suresh um, really recommended that shareholders focus not on revenue for 2021, but on design wins. And so we expect to have those design wins, um, which is really an indication that, you know, our technology is being taken up and that revenue will follow. And uh, those are, are the kinds of announcements we expect to make for the balance of this year. And thanks for stressing that, Tom, because I think it's really important. And that's why we put some time into that part too, for everyone to understand there is, you know, there is a process. You're not just, you're not selling widgets on a street corner where you just get people handing you cash. There's a process, but you guys, uh, Vivek, Tom, are, are really happy with your cadence so far as a company with these products and how you're getting through the process? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel quite uh, encouraged with the progress, um, with the opportunities, you know, the value we can provide with the joint venture, being able to scale with Sana and IC providing devices, at least in the competitive markets of 100, 200 G. Uh, the only, I would say, uh, something that could have uh, gone better, you know, less delays from foundries at all. But as we've indicated before, also, it's not impacting our business case, business uh, forecast. But, um, you know, we want to sample customers sooner than later, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, and also, we want to see the fruits of, uh, of the efforts that the team has been making. So I think. Yeah. You're like you're like the the latest great horse of the Kentucky Derby. You're in the stall. You want to get out. You wanted you guys want to start, and that's great. I love that confidence, and I'm sure that comes with everybody's watching it. You know, uh, that says a lot when you're anxious to get going because you have a very high expectation of success, and that's always a good sign. Uh, Tom, last question to you, I would think, because you're the CFO, outside of products and design and all these things, how's progress going towards uh, the Nasdaq listing? Well, thanks for asking, George. Uh, actually, it's going well. Um, we have a lot of ducks to line up uh, in order to make that an effective launch. Essentially, we're looking at the NASDAQ listing, not just as, an, as a listing, but in effect as an IPO, right, in, in the United States. So um, that requires some restructuring of how shares are, are uh, transferred, um, you know, who our transfer agent is. Um, we, we have made application to the NASDAQ. We've received comments back. We've got two teams of lawyers involved in, in providing responses to that. So it's gonna take some time. And yep. uh, as we've said previously, we're going to do it when we believe it's the right time for us to do it. Yeah, and I would, I would assume, Tom, that involves some wins and things like that. So you can go in with some momentum where you know that, you know, what your expectations are, are actually happening, right? That, would, that, would, that would seem logical. There are a fair number of institutional investors who would like to see some of the risk that still exists um, diminished. 
right? And and design wins really are are what's going to be important to uh, to demonstrating that. Well, what I like about your strategy, gentlemen, is that you're already getting the progress, the process going towards a Nasdaq listing. You're doing everything concurrently, as opposed to consecutively. So you're not waiting for those risks to be mitigated, design wins, and so on, and then starting. Right. Uh, it's not you're, you're doing both at the same time. You got two tracks. You got the you got the corporate side. Uh, sorry, you got the business side, and you got the capital market side uh, mm -hmm. going on the same going on the same track. So fair to say, gentlemen, both of those, the overall picture, you guys are happy, and should your shareholders be really happy with how progress is going as an overall, you know, one one big entity now, everything moving forward? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned OFC. Actually, I'm, I'm in our Allentown location. Tom, Suresh, we'll all be here doing the streaming. So our critical mass is increasing. Uh, we are, uh, I believe, very well positioned to take, um, you know, capitalize on our technology that is now coming out in terms of products. So, so yes. Yeah. All right. Gentlemen, thanks so much for today's interview. Uh, I think these are powerful. Shareholders really appreciate the time you guys take. Love that you do it because let's face it, uh, even when I read the press release, I really didn't understand what, you know, the nuances, the significance other than it sounded really important. And when you guys take the time to, to do these, clearly the shareholders have a much better understanding of of everything the company is doing and very, very, very much appreciated. And congratulations because everything's going so well. Thank you. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, or your favorite pod podcast platform to Vivek Rajgaria, he's present general manager and to Thomas Mika, executive VP and CFO of Poet Technologies, PTK, TSX Venture Exchange, Poet F on the OTCQX, uh, it's up to you now to do your due diligence. Uh, make sure you do it. Get over the Poet site. Uh, if you're brand new, go to right there. You can see the URL right above the gentleman's, uh, right above the heads. And make sure to watch previous interviews we've done because the company's done such a great job of explaining its core competencies, new developments, why they're doing them. Because this is a highly, highly technical, very specialized world, even above my head. And I've dealt with hundreds of companies thousands of companies in the past 24 years and they've just done a fantastic job of explaining the technology the opportunity where they're positioned and that's the ultimate due diligence and that's what you got to do just don't say 12 months from now we didn't tell you so have a great day see you next time